Welcome to episode number 15 of the Blended Family Podcast. Today, I have a very special interview for you. We will be talking to a sex therapist. So as a warning, the content in this episode is for adults only. So if you have little ones around, you will want to pop in those earbuds or wait till later to listen. Also, the contact form on my website has finally been fixed. So once again, if any of you have tried to reach me that way and think I have ignored you, I am so sorry. I wasn't receiving any of those emails due to a glitch. Last, if you like the episode, please leave me some comments on the show notes. Oh, and join the brand new Facebook group I set up called Blended Family Connection. You can find that at www.blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, thank you for joining me today on the Blended Family Podcast. Today we're here with a special guest, Sibel Gulsadin. Sibel is a licensed marriage and family therapist, board certified addictions professional, board certified sex therapist, and life coach with over 15 years in experience. Sibel earned a Master of Education degree and a specialist in education degree both specializing in marriage and family therapy from the University of Florida. She is also a graduate of Coach U's three-year prestigious coaching program and works with clients on various life and work issues. She's an approved supervisor for marriage and family therapist interns. So welcome, Sabelle. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me. Good. So today's episode is all about sexuality and intimacy, particularly as it relates to couples in a blended family situation. Now, I know your expertise encompasses a lot more, as stated in your bio, and maybe you can come back on the show in the future as we talk about different issues. For today, though, let's stick with digging into the topic of sexuality and focus on your knowledge as a sex therapist. I'm sure we can talk for hours about this one topic. So as you know, this podcast is all about blended families, which are often a lot more complex than non-blended families. I know that sexuality and intimacy are issues that every couple must face, but what would you say is the biggest difference between blended and non-blended families regarding sexuality? Absolutely. There are definitely some differences. I think one of the biggest ones is the stress that blended families encounter um, there's two different sets of families coming together with different parenting styles, different habits, different structures, different chores, different routines. So those families have a tremendous amount of stress that they have to initially go through. And obviously, stress affects our sexual desire and our sexual libido. So oftentimes, there's also a time constraint on finding time for sex and even being in the mood. A lot of the complaints that I hear from my blended families is that, you know, we're so stressed out with work and the kids and other activities and then trying to organize everybody's schedule, making time for everything that is going on in, in their very busy life. And then at the end of the day, 
you're just exhausted. And then the last thing you want to do is engage in a sexual encounter with your partner. You know, most of the time, you just want to go to bed, get a good night's rest, and then do it all again the next day. And then for a lot of couples with small kids, it's the issue of um, having the space and having the privacy. Um, Sometimes I have couples that have like a little one sleeping with them in the room or even in the bed. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's an intimacy buffer right there. Yes. Well, I would totally agree with you on all those points. And I think so would a lot of the listeners. And uh, something I want to point out to all those of you who are struggling in this department with sexuality and your blended family, I think it's pretty normal. When you start out a relationship with children already here, you don't get the same experience that another childless couple has. And what I mean by that is a couple without the stress and obligations that children bring has more time and energy for sex, like you just said. And of course, when that couple eventually has children, they can usually go back to that time and place in their relationship to rekindle what they may be losing. But a blended family doesn't start out with that same experience. I think we have to work a little harder in this area. Sibel, would you agree with that? Or can you elaborate a little on that? Um, absolutely. I mean, at the time of, of dating, you know, things are, are usually different, you know, and there are time constraints. Uh, once you have two people that are that are single that are dating, you know, it's very different than two couples with kids that are dating because you have those other obligations to your children, you know, school, extracurricular activities, you know, doctor appointments. So it's, it's very different for a blended family coming together and trying to make that time. And then also, you know, when you're dating, when is the time to be intimate, right? Because you have to either find a babysitter or have somebody there to watch the kids or wait until the kids go to bed. So it can be very tricky um, to find that quality alone time to make intimacy happen. Um, so often the communication for a blended family is really key for the two partners before they even engage in, for example, moving in together and, and starting that blended family together is to communicate about all those things that I have mentioned before, chores, routines, you know, making time for each other. And sometimes that can be quite a challenge. Yeah, I actually just did an episode, what was it, I think two weeks ago on healthy communication in the blended family, and I agree with you, that's so, so important. If you don't have communication, you don't have anything. Absolutely. So here's what else I hear from a lot of blended families. Uh, And again, not to repeat, but the stress level is very high when dealing with many issues that come up when trying to manage a blended family. So sex is the first thing to go. Let's face it, when we're stressed out, it's really hard to be in the mood. So what would you suggest to a couple in this situation where they are so stressed out that the intervals between lovemaking grow longer and longer? What would you tell those couples to do? So first of all, you know, it's it's kind of like an oxymoron because stress makes you not want to have sex. But then in reality... Sex is a stress buster because it releases all these great hormones like oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine. And those all are so important for our well-being and to create love and intimacy and trust and bonding, right? Mm -hmm. So it is kind of important that a couple actually engages in sex 
because it makes the couple unit much closer because you're sharing that intimacy better than not because that's actually what makes couples kind of grow apart because we're not sharing intimacy again. We don't have that time to connect and, you know, give hugs and kisses and touch each other and release those feel-good hormones that are so important just for our regular health and well-being. So one of the things that I suggest to my couples is is making time for even like if it's five or ten minutes just to share some type of intimacy. And it, it doesn't have to always end up in intercourse, but let's say, for example, it's a small massage session that you can do. Maybe you're really tired, but maybe you guys can take turns of just maybe massaging one of each other at night or maybe in the morning before the kids go to school or before you guys are waking up. Um, it's important, I think, to schedule time in because otherwise everything else is going to take precedence. Yeah. So I know it sounds not very exciting to schedule it in almost like as an appointment, but for busy couples, I think it's almost a must to schedule it in to make that time so that you realize that it's a priority in our relationship. This is important to us. And we need to take that time for us because they usually tell couples and families everything trickles from the top down. So if the parents are not okay, guess what? The children are not going to be okay. So it's really important that we take care of our own well-being and we make that time. I agree. And I was actually going to ask you that about scheduling sex in if you thought that that would be okay, but apparently you do. And I agree. It's really important. And I also agree with you that I don't think every time has to end up in actual sex in intercourse. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do, but I think that it takes the pressure off if you don't just expect that it's going to go there. I think it takes the pressure off of both of you to just say, sure, if it happens, it's a bonus, but it doesn't have to. We can connect in other ways. So that's really, really good. And even, you know, sometimes not necessarily that everybody has to be pleasured. Sometimes couples think, well, if I pleasure you, then you have to pleasure me or vice versa. Sometimes it's okay to just be the receiver or yeah. just to be the giver. And, you know, maybe then the next day we'll, we'll, we'll change it or we'll take turns. Good. Now, for me, my arrangement is that we have every other weekend without our kids and that's our reconnection time. And I feel really lucky to have that, but I know not everybody does. So what about those families that have custody shared in such a way that they don't have any alone time? Maybe they have every weekend, they have a set of kids. What would you recommend that they do? I know you said to schedule it in, but I mean, what if the kids are always there? What should they do? Sure. sure absolutely. I mean, obviously the, the obvious solution would be to get a babysitter, but that might be time-consuming and also costly, which not everybody can afford. Right. The other one would be to um, go to a hotel. Um, and hotel sex actually is quite exciting and really rejuvenate couples. So oftentimes for my couples, I say, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, every week. It doesn't have to be every month. But, you know, every like two or three months. Go schedule a hotel night. It doesn't have to be an expensive hotel, but there's something about hotel sex that really invigorates couples. I don't know what it is, what phenomenon it is, but it's something about being in a hotel and 
and engaging in some intimacy and being alone and knowing that nobody will interrupt and you can completely relax. Um, that is something that I can really recommend to anybody to try it out and just schedule it in. You know, it doesn't have to be far away. It doesn't have to be even out of town, but just check into a hotel, you know, even if it's just for a couple of hours and enjoy that privacy if you can. Um, if you cannot and, and money is an issue, the first thing that I recommend to couples, especially with younger kids, is establish good boundaries. And by good boundaries, I mean let the kids know this is mommy and daddy's private time. That means you don't knock on the door for, those, for that amount of time and you can set a timer so the kid knows or tell them, you know, when it's this time, then you can knock on the door again. And I would say give yourself a good hour um, when you have little kids to have that alone time and train the kids on this is mommy and daddy's private time. So you're not going to knock on the door unless obviously it's an emergency right. and you specify what the emergencies are so that you have that private time. Now, when you have older kids, it's kind of like the same thing, you know, that you would say when the door is closed, it means that we have private time, right? And one of the things that you can do is you can turn off the music, turn off the TV, um, go into the bathroom, maybe a walk-in closet and get a quickie in there. And, you know, obviously make sure that <laughs> you keep it kind of down because kids are kind of nosy and they probably will be listening at the door trying to see what's going on. But it's important that you just establish some boundaries and you make that time in the bedroom to connect and to be intimate. Uh, and would you say the same thing about with teenagers? Because I have a bunch of teenagers around here too, and the kids stay up late at night, and it, it kind of seems like privacy is a thing of the past. I mean, they're, they don't go to bed. We, we go to bed first, but I always feel like they're right outside, you know, through the wall. So... <laughs> And one of the things that, that you can do is just kind of turn off the TV. I mean, sometimes it's kind of like exciting, you know, it kind of brings you back to your own, you know, teenage time, maybe when you were in your own parents' house and you had to be quiet yeah. and you were giggling and you try not to make noise so nobody would hear you. And that kind of can be kind of silly and exciting as well. Let's see if we can get one in without the kids kind of noticing and and um, make it fun, you know, rather than, oh, my God, the kids might hear, I don't know, and being nervous. Just kind of turn up the TV, turn up the music, or if you have an adjoining bathroom, go into the bathroom or do it in the walk-in closet, put some comfort down, and just kind of have fun with it, you know. I think part of it is sometimes that couples see sex as a chore mm -hmm. rather than like a fun, exciting event. And, and sometimes we have to do a little bit of reframing in what's going on in their thought process. Yeah. So speaking of the kids, what would you say would be a healthy display of affection in front of children? And what would you say is unhealthy? And I know this varies depending on the ages of the kids, but generally speaking, and also is this a standard answer for any family or is it different with a blended family? Um, this is probably... A kind of standard answer, mm -hmm. but with blended families, depending on what's going on in the very beginning of blended families coming together, and I'm going to address this first. So when a blended family comes together, some children might have, um, you know, some, some nervousness mm -hmm. and maybe some anger towards the other spouse, yes. the other parent. Because then when there's affection being displayed, it, it makes those kids uncomfortable. You know, now you're kissing another 
woman or you're kissing another man or you're, you're holding somebody else's hand. You used to do this with my mommy or yeah. with my daddy. So there could be a lot of anxious feelings and, and irritability and anger arising. So I caution parents to be very careful in the beginning of stages of blended families coming together of really keeping the, the PDA kind of low key, you know, just, just kind of gauge your children's reactions and how they react to maybe like a hug or, or hand holding or maybe a peck on the cheek and kind of gauge your, the reaction of the children. And I would really recommend ask them, ask your child, Hey, when I kiss, now, let's say, Paul, on, on the cheek, how, how does that make you feel? Are you okay with that? Is that kind of weird or uncomfortable? I would just ask the kids because they will tell you, yeah, that's gross, or no, it doesn't bother me. Um, and I think it's important that you communicate with your children about that. But I definitely would, that is something that I think blended families especially need to keep in mind, um, especially in the beginning. Um, but in general, once that phase is, Path, I guess a general statement for all families would be that hugs, kisses, hand holding, uh, compliments to each other, back rub, um, I love yous, all of those are very much important because it displays a healthy relationship. Because remember, um, as parents, we do role model to our children what a healthy relationship looks like and what healthy affection looks like. Yeah. So that is really important that, that parents role model that. Um, I would refrain from any sexual language or innuendos um, and or any sexual gestures or groping or touching of the private parts um, and just keep it PG in front of your children. Um, I think that's something that you can just reserve for the for the bedroom. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, it seems pretty obvious, but I'm sure that... Um not everybody behaves that way. So um, now I want to dig a little bit deeper. A lot of people who have been previously partnered and are now involved in new relationships oftentimes have very different sexual styles. So maybe they were married for a long time and were used to being intimate in certain ways that don't mesh well with their new partner. Or maybe one person has old habits that the other person doesn't like. Or maybe they had some bad experiences with the last partner that is spilling over into this relationship. So what is your advice to couples that aren't that compatible sexually? And can this be solved? Absolutely. And this is actually, this happens with any couple because we all come with our history of of having had sexual partners and then now going into a new relationship. And, you know, we're used to a certain way and maybe there is a learning curve and an adjustment phase, I think, in every relationship. But that's also an exciting and fun phase, kind of trying to figure each other out sexually and what do we both enjoy, what do we both not enjoy. And this is where communication is so vital, that we talk about our sexual preferences that we talk about maybe even about our sexual fantasies with each other and kind of share what do we like, what do we not like, what are our taboos, you know, every, I think oftentimes every person has something that maybe they wouldn't engage in, mm. you know, whether it is anal sex or threesome or maybe a toy or, um, you know, role playing, whatever it may be. And it's important that couples communicate very openly about this, you know, just maybe taking an afternoon sitting down or an evening and saying, hey, let's just 
let's just talk about sex and let's talk about what do you like, what do I like, um, and kind of going through those steps. I think an open mind is really important. Um, I, I usually tell my couples when they come into couples therapy or sex therapy, I say be willing to keep an open mind and maybe attempt to try new things. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything your partner wants, but we're willing maybe to give it a try and ease into a variation of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good example would be, let's say, <clears throat> you know, you really don't want to have anal sex. But can we do something like rimming or, or you know, kind of anal play? Would that be something that you would be comfortable with? So, you know, it might not be a complete shutdown. Or some people, you know, for example, it might be, I like to, I like for you to self-pleasure in front of me. That's a big turn on. Can you do that? Well, I'm, I, you know, maybe I haven't really done that or maybe I'm uncomfortable self-pleasuring in front of my partner. But what about maybe being under the blanket? And with the lights off and just doing it that way and kind of easing into the situation. Because I think it's important that you don't just shut your partner down when they suggest something because it could make them feel shameful or make them feel like that their needs are not valid or they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of keep an open mind and you say, well, I'm kind of uncomfortable, but let's see if we maybe can work around it or maybe we can come up with some alternatives that work. Would that be okay? So it's all about compromise is what you're saying. Now, what if what if one of the partners just isn't comfortable communicating? How do you get somebody to open up if they're just very closed sexually and they don't know how to talk about that stuff? Absolutely. Um, and most people are having some difficulty talking openly about sex and, and their very private fantasies. Mm. So one of the things that they're, um, that I recommend to my couples is actually to write things down because writing things down is a lot easier than communicating. Um, so maybe what um, a couple can do is write down, these are the 10 things that I would like for you to do to me sexually, or these are the 10 things or 15 things that I enjoy while making love. And then you can kind of exchange the list and then, you know, maybe cross off what is a deal breaker, what you would not do, and maybe what is a maybe and what is a definite. And then compare the list and then maybe be able to talk about it a little bit. So it's, it's not so threatening and so vulnerable when you have to kind of open yourself up. That's great. Um, okay, so let's say one person has been abused in the past, whether physically or verbally, or they were cheated on something traumatic in their last relationship. How do you not allow the past trauma to affect the current relationship? And I know we're talking about sex here, but I mean, just in general, what do you do about that? Ah, that's, a, that's a very difficult subject because, um, you know, trauma can sometimes lie very deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the person if it's affecting the sexual relationship um, to a point where, you know, both partners are dissatisfied or one partner's really dissatisfied, I mean, the first thing I would say is I would refer the person out to a therapist to really work through the abuse or the trauma that has occurred um, because you have to be okay in order to engage with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, uh, sometimes what has to have happened is how can we work around the trauma? You know, how can we reestablish trust? And when there's sexual trauma, we do something that we call sensate focus state. 
and which is almost like a desensitization. Um, and it's a very slow process, and any sex therapist can help a couple with kind of trauma issues or even with other sexual dysfunctions that might be happening, whether it's ED or um, low libido or low desire. And we can help a couple get to a point where it, we start off with a very non-threatening exercise and basically we move up to the intercourse. Um, but if there's um, more issues um, like vaginismus or something that's caused by sexual abuse or trauma, that's something where I would say maybe the person needs to get some individual counseling to work through those issues. Yeah. So when or how do you know, besides the the trauma that we're talking about, I mean, just completely in general, if you're a couple, how or when do you know if you need to seek professional help from a counselor or therapist? Um, you know, how do couples benefit from seeking help? How do you know if, if you need help? I mean, what kind of problems would you be having that would indicate that you might want to look further into that? Um, there's a couple of, of um, things that I think couples need to consider. One is, are you feeling like you're fighting more and there's more bad days than good days? Uh, is the last intimacy that you had with your partner months ago, let's say it's been more than two months mm. that you have connected, and there's really nothing else going on, like no other major stressors that would account for the lack of intimacy. Because the longer it goes, the harder it is sometimes for couples to reconnect. So I would say if it's been two or three months and there's really nothing out of the ordinary, like an illness or major stressful event in the couple's life, I would say seek a sex therapist or family therapist and see whether you can nip it in the bud kind of before it gets out of control and it gets worse. You know, sometimes in my practice, I see couples that haven't had sex in like three years or wow. five years or eight years, and there has been no intimacy, you know, people sleeping in different rooms, people not connecting, and both people feeling you know, just a lack of love and connection. Um, but it has, it has, you know, there's been so many years that it's then becoming quite a challenge to bring those two people together. So I encourage people to address the issues as soon as you see them happening. And if you feel like you can't solve them or address them on your own, get some professional help so that you know, your marriage can be saved and that your needs are being met and your partner's needs can be met. Have you seen situations like that turn themselves around? Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. It doesn't it does take some work, but you know, every couple, especially in blended families, you have a lot of stress. But there's a reason that you fell in love in the first place. And things were good at some point, right? And so all we have to do is kind of find a way to bring those two people back together and to remember what it was like to be a couple in love. And I think sometimes what happens in blended families, everything else becomes a priority except the couple. Yeah. And that, that's the first thing that couples neglect. It's usually all about the kids. But what yeah. couples have to remember is at some point those kids are gone and they're off to college into their own life. And then you left with your partner. Yeah, I, I have said that before and I say that all the time. And especially, you know, for us, because we are dealing with all these teenagers right now, we just keep saying, 
you know, in a few years, they're going to be gone. We can't let this happen. And so it's it's really important to get the help that you need and to work on your relationship. Sabel, I had such a good time having you on the show today. I really appreciate it. Please tell the listeners how to find you if they if they want to seek you out for, for some help. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about speaking about sexual issues. I think this is a topic that everybody kind of needs to get more involved in because it is so important to be sexually healthy and to be con- connected and especially in blended families. If you need any help or advice, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about your case. You can reach me at area code 386-334-3777, or you can visit my website at www.anewcounseling.net. That's great. And I will put that information in the show notes. You want me to share your phone number in the show notes as well? Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. I hope everyone enjoyed the show and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember to create the peaceful home you desire. All you need is love.